Hello and welcome to the Open Cloud Infrastructure Podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Siegmann, and today is Monday, April 3rd, 2023. And this is episode seven with these topics. Docker turns 10, awesome Docker Compose examples, and scaling Kubernetes to 2,500 and then to 7,500 nodes. Docker turns 10. When in 2013, Solomon Hikes demoed on stage at PyCon, nobody could anticipate how this would fundamentally change how software is built, composed, and rolled out. Listen to what happened when he explained the concept and showed off Docker for the first time to engineers. So what Docker does, it's, it's a little daemon you drop on the server, any server that has a Linux, uh, a Linux kernel that's modern enough. And it runs processes for you, but it runs them in a way that they're super isolated like I described. So the first thing you can do, can you guys read this? All right, so I can check if anything's running, and nothing's running. Um, and then I, can, I want to run something, so this is really confusing. Um, the way it works is you run a command, like, you know, uh, echo hello world, except you want to run it in something because you want that container run to be repeatable, so you start from a known file system state. You start from a file system image. So I'm missing something here. First, I need to check what images I have. I have two images. One's called base, and that's like a standard uh, Ubuntu base image. And one is BusyBox. If you guys know that, it's a really, really tiny uh, image, which I downloaded from a tarball. Uh, so if I want to run uh, echo hello world in BusyBox, and I want, by default, it'll run in the background. So I'll just say dash A attach. So what had just happened here is it generated a new LXE container, allocated a new file system for it, mounted a rewrite layer, allocated a network interface, set an IP for it, set up NATing for it, uh, and then executed a process in there, captured its output, and printed it to me. So that was all. <laughs> I can do it a bunch of times. That applause from the attendees was an indication of how awesome this really was. In its simplicity, it was intriguing. In its elegance, it was mind-blowing. Consider how much of the work of instantiating containers was manual at the time. Yeah, the building blocks were freely available to anyone who would want to use cgroups or namespaces, but that was all manual. Docker made this easy-ish. It still wasn't easy like on the Portainer I.O. level kind of easy, but the seed was planted. From this seed, Mesosphere, Rancher, Swarm, Nomad, and Kubernetes grew, and so many other projects. Look at the cloud-native landscape from 2023, and you'll appreciate the literal Big Bang that occurred in 2013 with that initial presentation. Docker as a company has always provided good drama material. For years, it couldn't figure out how to monetize the diamond in the rough. The quest for a viable business model focused much on enterprise users who were at the time already starting to look at Kubernetes. Then the company almost ran out of money, although it had raised over $300 million in venture capital with the latest round in March 2022 at a whopping $105 million in the Series C round led by Bain Capital at a valuation of well over $2 billion. Add to the financial woes, missteps in communication when they switched to a subscription model for enterprise users, which at $5 a month was rather cheap, in my opinion. 
Then the Kubernetes project decided to remove the Docker shim from 124, and because it wasn't communicated very clearly, many people thought Docker support altogether would be removed from it. And speaking of communication, quote, we apologize. Tim Englade, Chief Marketing Officer at Docker, proclaimed in a mea culpa, we did a terrible job announcing the end of Docker-free teams. We apologize for how we communicated and executed sunsetting Docker-free team subscriptions, which alarmed the open source community. End quote. Alarmed indeed, the language used was pretty clear. Quote, if you don't upgrade to a paid subscription, Docker will retain your organization data for 30 days after which it will be subject to deletion, end quote. Many open source projects were impacted, and that had the potential to make many enemies. So after about 10 days, the 180-degree U-turn pacified the situation, but I'm not holding my breath for the next disaster in communication. Now let's rub our crystal ball a bit. Can you imagine what we will be able to look back to in 2033? Will the industry continue to make things more complex and powerful, or will we see a reversal back to simpler to manage systems? Your guess is as good as mine, but I'll set myself a calendar reminder to check back in March of 2033. Cool Docker Compose examples. What better way to look more at Docker than finding some good implementation examples? There's a great collection of over 100 Docker containers you can use with just a little bit of Docker experience. How much experience? Well, if you can use Git clone and Docker Compose, you're golden. What are some of those containers, you ask? Well, there's a whole range starting from dashboards, password management, reverse proxies, identity providers, VPN servers, including WireGuard, DNS services, development tools such as GitLab Community, monitoring, management, including the granddaddy of EasyPeasy, Portainer.io, media managers, including a tool to download YouTube videos and Plex, file and document sharing, including Nextcloud, as well as publishing platforms like Ghost and WordPress, security tools, including vulnerability scanners like Nessus, and so much more. This project on GitHub has over 3,000 stars, and there is a good reason for it. It's a working treasure trove of easy-to-deploy containers. Scaling Kubernetes to 7,500 nodes. It's really difficult these days to avoid hype around artificial intelligence. In the last few weeks and months, we have seen enormous advances in AI, and some of these advances leave me baffled and speechless. For example, mid-journey image AI. I keep asking myself the question, where is this going to end? Is it going to end in the serious cybernetics corporation or in Cyberdyne systems? Well, let's have a look at the underlying infrastructure. OpenAI has a really interesting blog post on their website that describes how they have scaled their Kubernetes environment to over 7,500 nodes. They also describe what the difficulties were in scaling up to that number and what design criteria and constraints factored into the decision-making. The article itself is definitely worth a whole read. You can find it in the show notes. The team at OpenAI actually started earlier with an article where they described how they scaled to 2,500 nodes. This cluster runs on Azure on a combination of D15v2 and NC24 VMs. 
What I've most appreciated in these types of blog posts are the lessons learned from the problems the team has faced and how they resolved them. And they ran into problems pretty much right away after passing 500 nodes in the cluster. Timeouts from the kubectl command line started to appear. The team found that write latency to etcd replicas were the issue here, and they moved the etcd directory to locally attached SSDs instead of network storage, which brought the problem under control again for a short while. And that was with only 500 nodes in the cluster. How did they get to 7,500 nodes? By making some pretty interesting changes to the standard Kubernetes deployment. One of them was that Flannel had difficulties scaling up to the throughput required. When they switched to using the native pod networking technologies and the relevant CNI plugins, they were able to get host level network throughput on the pods. Just to give a little bit more context around the scaling issues with regards to the network, here's an issue they found around IP addressing. Quote, another reason we've switched to using alias-based IP addressing is that on our largest clusters, we could possibly have approximately 200,000 IP addresses in use at any one time. When we tested route-based pod networking, we found that there were significant limitations in the number of routes we could effectively use, end quote. I'm not sure how many organizations need to scale to these level of performances, and I would guess most of them have three-letter acronyms here in the US, but to see this much computing power orchestrated by Kubernetes to control and schedule AI workloads at least explains to me some of the most recent leaps in um, we, that we have been witnessing in artificial intelligence. So that's it for today. Uh, thank you for listening. I appreciate your time and check back in two weeks for another episode of Open Cloud Infrastructure. If you like this show, recommend it to a friend. Follow me on Mastodon as ssiegmann at infosecexchange. That's S-S-I-E-K-M-A-N-N at infosec.exchange. The music in this program is licensed from Audio Jungle. Head over to my YouTube channel where you can f check out the installation videos and how I set up my lab. Hop on over to YouTube and find me as Open Cloud Infrastructure. See you soon.